Welcome to Educator Forever, where we empower teachers to innovate education. Join us each week to hear stories of teachers expanding their impact beyond the classroom and explore ways to reimagine teaching and learning. Maria Alejandra Lopez has been an educator for over five years in New York City, where she taught history at an international school that caters to incoming immigrants from all over the world. Prior to this, she worked as a financial contract translator for Goldman Sachs, where she gained tons of experience translating in a corporate setting. Maria graduated from Rutgers University with a BA in History and Cultural Anthropology, and she holds a Master's of Arts in Social Studies in Secondary Education from Lehman College, CUNY. As a former NYC teaching fellow, Maria's career as an educator has tailored and driven her to start her own business in curriculum writing, designing, and translation of pedagogical materials. She is the founder of Be Bilingual Designs, where she creates designs and translates materials for organizations, schools, foundations, businesses, and more. And most recently, Maria became a Fulbright Scholar and will be transitioning her career to Latin America for the upcoming school year. Hi, Maria. So glad to have you on the podcast. Hi, thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be here. Yay. Well, if you can start us off by telling us about your journey as an educator. Yes. So 2017, I applied for the New York City Teaching Fellows here in New York. And at that time, I was living in New Jersey. I was working here in downtown financial district area in Manhattan. And I was a translator back then. So I wanted to make a shift into education. And I got accepted in the beginning of 2018 to the New York City Teaching Fellows. And that summer, it's, I mean, right away, everything happened super quickly. I began taking university or my master's classes. At the same time, I was teaching summer school, which is supposed to be like a summer camp or like a boot camp for, for teachers to begin actually teaching teaching in September. So everything started with New York City Teaching Fellows 2018, and today or yesterday marked the end of that journey. So it has been five years, fast forward to now, but my whole career has been in New York City as an educator at an international school teaching history, and it's been quite a journey. It's been awesome. Wonderful. And I know along that journey, you kind of started thinking about doing some work outside of the classroom. Can you tell us kind of how you started thinking about that or what you started doing? Yeah, so I mentioned I was a translator before getting into education. I translated financial documents at Goldman Sachs for just a year and a half. But prior to that, I've been a tutor, like I was summer camp sort of counselor. So I've done things in education, just not official. And maybe I want to say into my second year, I, I love the classroom. But from the beginning, I knew that it was something I did not see myself doing full-time for a long time. I love education. I love history. And then I had the skill of translating documents. So it's always been in the back of my head, like, how do I get my experience? How do I get my, the skills that I have and my interests like all in one? So second year, I started thinking of ways to, to combine everything. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) So everything was kind of stalled for like a year, but it gave me so much like a lot of tools and a lot of like time to kind of just go around and like journal write a lot blog which we'll get to in like in a moment 
And then I found you. I found Lily Jones. I don't know how, like, I think I was linked on LinkedIn or I was on Google, but I started Googling, like, how to transition out of the classroom, like, how to make this, like, you know, feasible. Is it feasible? Like, all these questions that you have when, I mean, it, it was my first, like, real, real job, too. I was, what, like, 25, yeah. 24. So it's all these questions, a lot of Googling, a lot of writing, but it was there. I want to say second year, it was when I started kind of, questioning a lot of things not to leave I mean to leave the physical classroom yes but to expand my career and education which I think is super needed especially now and especially after the pandemic that we know there's so many ways to be creative and to have flexibility on both ends for the students for the parents and for the educators like we we move like around a lot so I, I, I think it's necessary yeah but yeah so landing your page was also like enlightening like oh people think like me like I'm not the only crazy person (laughs) thinking that it's possible to like just shift and so early on right like yeah I think that's awesome I mean I did the same google searches like many years ago you know of just being like what can I do I want to be in education but I at that point you know had just had my daughter and was like I want to stay home with my baby I need to make at least my teaching income, but what can I do? So I think it's like, yeah, normalizing that we all have different circumstances or things we want to do. And also that we deserve to have different career pathways. Like you can create whatever career pathway in education works for you. And I think we don't often see different possibilities. So it feels so limiting. For sure. And and the structures, I guess, like the, the educational structures we're in, like the Department of Education in New York, there's like a one way, like everyone kind of, we all go this one way. And so it feels limited. Like it feels, it doesn't feel like you are being, I guess, stimulated intellectually. And that's also a part of the, of the journey. Like I want to learn, I'm a teacher, but I also need, and I want to learn. Totally. I felt like that too. Like it gets to be kind of like Groundhog's Day. I mean, I taught for seven years and it just got perpetually like, wait, I feel like I've done this before. Right, exactly. <laughs> I've done it before. And like some parts were comforting that it was like, all right, this gets a little easier each time. Yeah. And then some parts got kind of boring, honestly. I agree. So it's just like, wait, no, okay, take out my first week of school stuff. Like do it again, make the copies. Yeah. And so yeah, I totally understand that. Completely. And, and, and I think it goes beyond, I know there's a national or even like a like a global rhetoric or a conversation about like salaries, 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 which I would agree, but I don't think that's my number one reason why I left the classroom. I think my number one would be the simulation. Like intellectually, there's no simulation and then you feel stuck, like you're bored. And I am with you completely. I felt bored. Like the last like couple of years, I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know how else to expand. Yeah. And it's like, that's not good for kids either, right? Like to see their teachers feel bored. I, <laughs> you know, I like, I mean, I, I felt like that when I got to my last couple of years of teaching of like, I am not really in this anymore. Yeah. You know, like, and I felt like my students deserved more too. Like that gets like bigger structural <laughs> issues of just like not supporting teachers and not allowing teachers to really pursue their loves of learning and have the power and agency to do so. But I think it's it is a good model for kids to see you, you know, go off and pursue your interests or think about how things come together. And then going back to your business that you started, I love how you thought about like, hey, I've done this translation work before. I've also been teaching like, how can I meld these together? 
And I think from the outside, it seems like, oh, yeah, they're totally connected. But I know on the inside, sometimes it, it can be hard to kind of figure out the connections. I felt like that, too, when I had been doing curriculum development and also running Educator Forever that I was like, how are they connected? Which now seems silly because they're very connected. <laughs> but for a while, it was just like, I don't know how to like make the bridge between these two things that I've been doing. So can you talk to us a little bit just about the process of starting your business and what you offer there? Yeah. So I found you in a Google search, which was great because I attended one of the free webinars that you have. You hold them like frequently. And I remember I was in New Jersey and yeah, like I attended one of them. I took notes and that's when I started. I mean, I knew, or maybe I didn't know that I knew <laughs> that I, there's ways to, like you said, like melt all these skills together and like interest but the course or the webinar was like that trampoline. And then after a few months, I ended up delving into the course, the accelerator to create your education business. And that was what, February, I want to say last year, 2021. Yep. 2022. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess the logistics, I mean, what it takes to actually sit down and like step by step, like this is what you do first, this is what you do second. And then of course, take like bringing in my blog, which I've had for years, maybe when I first did my Euro trip, I was still in college or maybe fresh off college. And I started like a very like rustic, simple blog on weekly. And I like it. It's fun. So again, like combining like there's the translation, it's a skill, and then the blogging, which I love, and then education. So that's when in your courses, I started just like making note of, uh, of all of that. I remember one of the activities or the second activity was like making, it was like a mind map almost of all these things that you like and that, that you're good at. And yeah, it started from there. It started exactly what, like a year and a half now. And I transitioned my blog into a better looking website that's a little bit more user friendly. And, and that's what I do now. So there's the main service that I provide is educational translation. So whatever curriculum, lesson plans, worksheets, pamphlets, whatever it is that people or schools, organizations, organizations may need, I do the translation. And I actually just finished a small book translation. It was like maybe 60 pages. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was such a great experience going back and forth with the client. I don't have experience with having my own clients. I have done one before for Columbia University. It was a brief like pamphlet for little kids. It was from English to Spanish. And that was the only experience. So going through that this past winter was pretty cool because it was a long project. I mean, it was like 60 something pages. And it was for students of color down south. And he, he's a consultant and he goes around kind of showing these these communities and, and the whole, I guess, just bigger board of educations around different Southern states on how to provide to students of color in different different forms. Yeah, that's great. So it's, it's awesome. And I learned so much. And that was my official first client with my business. So, <laughs> so it, was, it was awesome. Thank you. So the main thing is translation. It's obviously only educational purposes. And then if a client needs any kind of, which this client is actually, we are going to get in touch again in July to create content or create like lesson plans for great. like a workbook he wants to create for that book that he wrote. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And that, that will be, I guess, the writing part of my business, which is not just translating, but if a client needs something in both English and Spanish, 
I can I can write it for sure, like whatever standard, whatever objective, whatever it is that they want. It's it can be done. So yeah, that's coming up in July sometime. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a really great project. And I love how you get to keep building on it too. And I'm curious with translation, kind of what tools help you translate or how do you go about translation projects? I do. It's it's just very, it just depends on the tone that first, because we had this conversation with my client. So it depends on the tone that I want to say. The first things that I always ask is what kind of Latin American community are you are you targeting? Because it's just everyone has a different lingo in the Caribbean, even within the Caribbean. Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic and Cuba have complete different ways of referring to one single thing, right? So so that was one of the things we, we spoke about. And I work with a lot of Caribbean, like Dominican and Puerto Rican students, or I did in New York for, for all these years. And there's always a standard way of like translating some things that could be communicated or written. The main thing I, I use to like very simple sites, I use lingui.com, which is I use that at Goldman Sachs. And it's very, it takes context into account because there's, I mean, you can't translate literal because it becomes like sometimes like a joke, like oh, yeah. just doing the literal basis. <laughs> so lingui.com, which is like little by just when I want to do phrases or like very short words. And then Google for me is great. Like I know there's like controversy because Google translates, I guess, like very literal, but that's when I use lingui.com mm-hmm. to to kind of just like mediate that process. So I know that there's things that sound funny. So I just take like those words and I just plug them in the other website and then to connect the pedagogical or the educational lingo into it, that's that's just me. That's the human me. <laughs> that, yeah. That's why it's necessary to have like a human do certain things. But those two things are like my best like tools that I that I use. So and as I go on, there's going to be definitely more things that I'll be incorporating. But it's working for now. And it's great. Like I, I love like simple things too. And I think they do more sometimes they're very complex like softwares. There's like a whole bunch of softwares to like translate. But it's used more for law or like financial documents, which I did use when I worked down in financial district. But for this, I think it's great. Like it's and it gives me flexibility to, yeah, just sometimes things change, like political climates change, lingo changes, speech changes. Yeah, it's so interesting. It reminds me of kind of like general discussions about AI that have been going on lately, you know, like Mm. using AI to write. And I, it seems similar that like, it's a great tool to get you started. But there always I think has to be like human oversight and tweaking and personalizing. Or for you, yeah, having your specific knowledge of all the academic vocabulary and how to talk about things. You can't really replicate all of that. But using tools or using AI can be a great starting point and like take out some of the work so you can focus on your best work. Definitely, definitely. AI, I confess that I haven't used any of the stuff that are like the new stuff floating around, but I'll probably, I mean, there's time to to delve into it. So it's, it can offer so much for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I know that recently you became a Fulbright scholar, which is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so exciting. Can you tell us more about that process and what you'll be doing? Yeah, yeah. So I guess in tandem with my business, which I want to grow as as we go, like, I mean, I mentioned what I did last with my project. The last blog was last semester in the spring semester. So 
along with that, October last year, so the fall of last year, I began my fifth year at the New York City Public Schools, and I knew this was my last year. Yesterday was my last day. I officially resigned. <laughs> and even before October, like around this time, maybe June, July, August, I wanted to apply to Fulbright. Like it's always been in the back of my head since I was at Rutgers, where I did my undergrad. I had professors who had Fulbright, like assistants, they do like assistantships, which is sort of what I'm going to do, but I'll get into that in a second. And I just, I mean, it just looked so far. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is like, like four very smart people. Like, I don't know if I can do this, but it just sounds so in, like it was intriguing and it was super like, I was seducted by the whole idea. Like, it's amazing and sounds great. So fast forward to last summer, I started just researching and I went to the website and I started looking at different like options for educators. And they have, there's like three different tracks for Fulbright. You do research, you study, if you want to do your master's abroad or whatever you want to do. And then third, which is what I'm doing, is the Teaching English Assistantship, ETA. And that's how I started. So I chose my track. I went back and forth. I'm like, should I do some research? But then again, I don't have the necessary tools to be a researcher. And I had all the experience. I have the experience. I have the interests. Everything just like lined up to be an English teaching assistant. And yeah, the like it started. I looked at the, I started looking at eligibility criteria, the countries that you could go to. So there's like, I blew up the map and I'm like, okay, the world is basically available for Fulbrighters. <laughs> like, where do I want to go? Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And so I just started looking at like different countries that I've been to that I'm interested in, like Spain, like Mexico, like Thailand, really interesting cultures. But with Fulbright, something very interesting about it is that you can't be like an expert yet in that country, right? But also you can be null. Like you can't just go in there and not know anything about the country. So there's like this like in-betweenness where you have the sufficient interest and like experience in this country, whether it's through internships or continuous travels with some kind of academic experience attached to it, but not enough for you again to just to be an expert something because what is the point of a grant like Fulbright's gonna be like all right this person just knows it all why would I want to (laughs) grant them so going around so Mexico again I love it like there's so many things I'm interested about but I just wasn't like I couldn't pick the niche and that's something we spoke about in your class a lot like okay you teach English like cool what do you have to offer so same thing. I think it was like very similar to the process. Right. Now that I'm saying it, it makes so much sense. I didn't even think about this before. Yeah, interesting. But creating my business was like the process of like I started with this like idea. And I remember towards the end of the course, I'm like, oh, I didn't know I wanted this and I'm good at it. Same thing with Fulbright. I went around different countries, but it just wasn't enough. And I knew I wasn't going to get accepted. And I did have mentorship, by the way. This is important to mention it. My master's, when I was teaching, or as I was teaching here in New York, I went to CUNY, uh, Lehman College, and I reached back, reached out to the alumni sort of office, and they have like a scholarship office that when you graduate, if you want to apply to these like awards or grants, they help you out, which is amazing. And I think everyone should take advantage of their tuition. (laughs) At some point, it pays off. (laughs) So I called them and we had a we set up an appointment sometime like in August and we went over like this whole, yeah, just everything like uh, the criteria, eligibility, 
So they told me like, okay, you like these countries, but you haven't done any like internships. You haven't done any like mentorship programs. Like you just travel there because you like it. Okay, cool. One country, which is where I'm from, Colombia, it seemed like it matched with the, well, the interest because I'm Colombian and also American. So it's that bridge, yeah. which I use that word a lot to kind of describe my, my the why I want to apply to the program, like the bridge between the U.S. and Colombia, which I am. Like I grew up going there back and forth, never fully Colombian or American, just in between. <laughs> so, so that's sort of the also like the reason why I applied. And yeah, so we started delving into, yeah, like how can I, what can I offer to, to Colombia? What can I offer back to the, to the U.S. when I come back from the grant? And it just matched perfectly. We started writing the, the statement of purpose. We started writing, I mean, there's a whole bunch of like things you have to kind of like a social project that I want to delve in and everything's related to education. A lot of people do different things based on their like interests, but the assistantship I got is for college. So I'll be teaching, I'll be assistant because it's an assistantship. I'll be assisting a English or a professor that teaches English or what they do is they infuse like, let's say, I don't know, intro to business and they do like a little capsule or like a little lesson on English, business English or whatever it is. Yeah. So, so I'll, be, I'll be assisting that. Like I'll be assisting anything in the department of languages that they may need. That's amazing. And it so connects to your business too, right? Like Completely. it's like a, a academic language and doing the translation focused on education. That's amazing. Definitely. It's super cool. I'm going to be learning so much. I'll be expanding my network for my business, which is something that I think it's super important Personally, it's important. And then for the program for Fulbright, the whole in-between is or the whole like bicultural identity that I have been, that I am rather like, so that's just, that's who I am. That's what I can offer. But yeah, officially, I mean, the whole process started in October with, again, the mentorship. And I think that was crucial to reach out to Lehman and CUNY was super helpful. Like they're so knowledgeable because they're not, you know, there's like specific language, specific like words to use, terms. It's it's this diplomatic sort of field of higher education that Fulbright falls into. I mean, they're experts in that. And I learned so much in the process. So it took what maybe like about a couple of months, two months, I want to say. I started in September or late August, and then October 17th, we submitted everything. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like it's official. <laughs> it's, it's submitted. And I heard back until May. So if anyone is interested, it's a long time. It's hard. Yeah, like it's something that it's not for everyone. But it's super worth it. I mean, like Fulbright is just great to have. Yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. I love this focus on mentorship too, because I feel like often we have ideas that seem really big, right? And that's yeah. great. And it can feel really overwhelming of just how do I go about this? And how do I get from here to there? And I love how you thought about like, hey, I have contacts who have done this or know the process. Right. And they could maybe help me. And so knowing that like the best place to look for mentorship is people who've done the thing Definitely. that you want to do and who can really guide you through that process, no matter what it is that people want to do, you know, find somebody who's done it and see if they'll provide mentorship or coaching, you know, or support along the way. Definitely. Like it's all these. And now that I'm telling the story, sort of like the last five years into this in this space, it makes me realize what you just said, like, it's, there's a group of people, like, it's not just like, 
like the me mm-hmm. interview. Like there's, I mean, you're included, you're a big part of it, you know, like my family. And then these like people who are just, they know, like they've, they've been through the process and I want to become that person. Like, I think we all need to circle back and just talk and, and help each other and just offer. That's what we can offer. And it's not tangible, but it's, I think it has more value. It's so meaningful. And I think you're right. Like, yeah, I feel the same way that there are so many people who have mentored me and supported me and continue to. And then I helped it, you know, do that as well. And both sides are so fulfilling, you know, and I think what seeing the value, I mean, we're teachers, right? Like, but it's yeah. like seeing the value of how much that support can mean, you know, in getting us to where we want to go. You really can provide such great support. And so I think it really is like this gift that keeps giving. And something that like you're being a teacher, you know, providing that support for other people and using your skills in that way. Definitely. That's always going to be there. Like whatever I do in life is always going to be like, okay, this is cool. Like how can I use this to like help and, and learn? Like yesterday saying goodbye to my students, I think I've learned more from you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they, they, I know they learn content and stuff, but it's like, I just walked out of that building. I'm like, I'm never going to be the same. Like I grew so much and they teach you so much on a daily basis. So keeping that sort of mentality fresh and that open-mindedness, it's part of like what I want to keep doing with my business and also with my academic and life, like whatever comes along the way after Fulbright. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious. I mean, yes, absolutely. I agree too. Like I definitely learned more from my students. They were five years old, <laughs> but I did. Right? Like, I learned so much from them. Yeah. And still, like, even though I haven't been in the classroom for 12 years or something, I think about them all the time, you know, and I think about the things that I learned or the experiences that I had with them and the other things that I've done too. You know, I think this like reflective quality is so helpful and just thinking about what we've learned. And I'm curious, thinking about like your journey beyond the classroom, both starting your business and getting the Fulbright, kind of what you've learned about yourself along the way. Oh, yeah. Like I, I mean, yesterday, that was my last day as an educator. Well, as a teacher, not an educator. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's so much. I, it's, it's so hard, but I think the, I mean, we talked about this, but the open-mindedness and how much every person and every situation an experience can teach you on a daily basis. There's like a little, I remember in college, I read, I'm also an anthropology major. So I do look a little bit more beyond like the usual daily life experience. Like I'm like, why does that happen? Like culture and like all this intersection. Yeah. But yeah, like there, there was one anthropologist that spoke a lot about the signs, like how life every day gives you like little signs, like little lessons many things don't necessarily happen for nothing. Like there's always a lesson. There's always some kind of something to teach you. And, and I think that's one of the main things that I've like my tenure as a teacher in New York, it's like every single person has something or you add that to your persona. Right. So absolutely. I think that's the main one. And then, I mean, there's so much, but flexibility, which is the reason why I'm also getting out of education, (laughs) that there's no like flexibility when it comes to time, when it comes to teaching, being creative. I know thinking like we're not even teaching a way of being flexible. Yeah, completely. So you're being taught the opposite of being like a robot almost like this is how it should supposed to be like you know you get observed and you're supposed to say these things and you can't yes, get out of this on your wall or whatever yeah. yeah so so I I have learned that I am not that person that I enjoy I mean you showed kind of 
look out for different standards and there there's ways of doing things because I mean, we need to have some kind of order per se, but what makes every individual special. And I think we learned that with our students is that we're all different. Like everyone's different and we cannot operate thinking that everyone is the same. And I don't want to keep, I don't want to prolong that idea of sameness because I think that's, it leads to a lot of issues, social issues, political issues. I mean, we have, there's a lot of beautiful things in life, but there's also a lot of issues that we need to fix and a big part of that is putting the spotlight on the un- uniqueness of everyone, independent of any racial factors, uh, gender factors, like looking beyond that. There's so much, everyone's so beautiful and everyone has something great to offer. Absolutely. I know. I mean, honestly, that was one of the things that frustrated me the most about teaching and teaching little kids in particular is I felt they came in as such like amazing individuals and I tried to keep it that way in the classroom but so many forces were like fighting against that right right. even thinking about like my own daughter when she's now going to go to middle school but when she started kindergarten I was like I just don't want to have her little spirit squashed like she was like climbing trees all the time like covered in dirt like examining bugs you know and thinking about her being at a table with like a giant textbook and working through all these workbooks seemed so disheartening and luckily we found a school where it wasn't that situation <laughs> and it worked out great but just thinking about like so many other kids or you know my experience being a classroom teacher so many things fight against that like individual beauty and fostering that for the pursuit of the sameness you know like you're saying right right and we don't want that like I don't think I want to I mean I also did not go to school and prepare myself and go through a whole process, which we all know, I mean, being a student is, is hard, being a grad student is also, and then being an educator, like all that process, it's also, I want to be grateful for the process. And by being grateful is also doing something about it. Like, I don't agree with it. And I'm gonna step aside and do something different via my business and via Fulbright. I do want to enhance that and, and keep learning, which is always the main objective in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my last question is thinking about people who maybe are in the same spot you were in a couple years ago, you know, maybe not sure if they want to stay in the classroom, having some big ideas of things they might want to try. Do you have any advice for them? I mean, a big part of it is talking to people like you said, like we have spoken about, like it's an ongoing sort of theme, like we're not alone. There's a big community. There's like people who go through the same things. And I feel like and I say this as I felt the other way completely like a year ago it's like now I'm by myself like this sucks why is this happening but there is people and reaching out to people who are interested or have been through the process or, or maybe none of the above but just talk it out like as I'm having this interview too like I'm realizing there's so many things that make sense it's like oh now it makes sense that you know Fulbright happened and then I reached out to you like a year and a half when I took the course to grow my business and everything just falls into place but also with the mentorship with the the work that has to be put I think the first step is also like talking to yourself and just like okay I truly don't want this like we all have that feeling I don't know how to describe it (laughs) like it's just the morning suck like the commutes I'm like so many commutes I'm like, I don't want to, like, I truly don't want to work today. I don't feel it. Like I'm not 
I'm not invested in this and the feeling of excitement doesn't feel like this for sure. Like, I don't know how it feels the other way, but this is not right. Yeah. So following that like gut feeling, like it's, it, it might take time. I think the third year when we came back from the pandemic and like it was hybrid across the country, I'm like, all right, maybe it's COVID. Maybe like, you know, things are not, let's give it another shot. Year four came. It's like, not yet. Like I just don't, you know, so, and time goes on like time doesn't wait for you and five years passed and I'm grateful for the decision of staying because I think I wasn't ready to take the jump yet but I knew it was gonna happen like it's also setting dates like I'm not going beyond five years I'm not like I need to keep following or fostering this feeling of being uncomfortable and it's okay to be out of place and I think that's when you actually learn the most absolutely but not, not making it too long because it, it becomes a burden. <laughs> so Yes. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's like honoring that feeling. Definitely. I love that word, yeah. Intuition or like, yeah, this feeling in your body of like, not quite right. You know, and I think we can talk ourselves out of those things that like you truly at your core know. You know, being like, but I should. Like there's a lot of like, but I should, or I'm around other teachers or my pension or like all the things, right? Like, so then you get in your head about it when it's like your body actually knows. And so I think just, it doesn't have to be tomorrow, like you're saying, like, Mm -hmm. it can be five years, it can be in 10 years, like, just allow yourself to explore it. And don't like squash that feeling. Definitely. Talk about it, explore it, you know, and you'll find if it's something you really want to pursue or not. Yeah, for sure. Writing helped a lot, just journaling. And, and yeah, just having like those like milestones. So it's like little goals to keep you going. Because if it wasn't for like those tiny goals that I set throughout, like the last maybe like three years, I want to say it would have been hard to make the change because we, everyone needs a salary or you need to pay the bills. You need to like make, I don't know, you have kids or you have loans, whatever it is. Like we all have responsibilities and we all get that, but it's, I don't think that should be the main thing to focus on. Like there's a bigger, there's a bigger reality that when you do what you love and what you have fostered, the economic and financial aspect also grows with it. So keeping those goals, Yeah, absolutely. And there are other ways, you know, I think it's just sometimes I've asked myself in those situations that I've been over the course of my life, when it feels stuck, like, what's another way? And there's pretty much always another way. You know, if you're like, hey, I want to make this amount of money, like, might not be things you enjoy more, but there are many other ways (laughs) that you could make that amount of money, right? So it's always trying to see like a different way. And sometimes if you allow yourself to just like brainstorm all the crazy solutions, you can find another path, but we get very limited by thinking about yeah. like the one path that we thought that we would be on or that we see other people on. Definitely. I, I think it's also because it's a paved path and it's, yeah. it's easy. It's easy on one end to just work, right? It's easy to clock in and out and not that the job itself doesn't have its challenges. It does. I'm, I, I mean, I was a teacher for five, five years, I know, but then reinventing yourself and like creating and being like an artist almost of your future, your life, it is something and it's anxiety written and it's it's too much. Like it's, I mean, it's scary too. And I'm saying this as I pack my life in boxes <laughs> to move to South America. So it's, I know it's scary and I'm scared right now. And But behind this whole thing is just so much excitement and I'm so happy <laughs> that I actually did this. Yeah. And it's so admirable. I mean, I just want to celebrate that it's like doing things that are scary that feel aligned to like that gut feeling of what you want to do is something to celebrate. And I think that, you know, it's never going to not feel scary. Like it's always 
going to feel scary to do something new, but it's so awesome and exciting. And I love how you said like being the artist of your life. Definitely. That's so beautiful. Like, yeah, we should all be able to be the artists of our lives in all sorts of ways. And so, yeah, just thinking about like what that means to you. I mean, going back to the uniqueness of everyone, everyone has a different definition to that. So whatever it is, just work on that. And, and we all have to continuously, it's a continuous sort of question delving into that continuously. I'm sure in five years we can have the same interview and a complete different set of things may come up, <laughs> yes. which is why everything, it's great to change and to allow yourself to make those changes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Maria, for joining us. I'm so excited about your upcoming adventures. Thank Please you. do keep us tuned. Will you be writing about it on your blog? Yes, yes. It would be great to have readers read the blog and then explore a little bit more. There's a, some other things to explore on the website. But yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm very excited. Awesome. And we'll put a link to your website so people can follow along, contact you if they want to learn more about your business. Or Instagram, like I'll be happy to like create or start or continue the community of educators outside of the classroom. Awesome. And can you tell people where to find you on Instagram? Yeah, so I could do both. My personal is at Mar, so M-A-R underscore A-L-E-J-A, Mar underscore Aleja. Then my business is at B, as in the bees that have honey, bilingual designs with an S. And yeah, I'm, I'm both very active. So I'm excited to meet people as always. Yay. Well, thank you again, Maria. Thank you so much. Want to figure out your next step as an educator? Watch our free on-demand workshop and embrace a career pathway that works for you. Go to educatorforever.com slash workshop. You'll get introduced to the many options for flexible, rewarding work beyond the classroom and make a plan for landing jobs. 